The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how you doing, man? I am doing swell, and I have the privilege of announcing that this is part two with our special guest, Jeff. Mr. Jeff, how are you doing? I am having a fabulous night. How about you guys? Well, it's better now that we're talking to you. How about that? that, that I, I like what you think. facetious enough? Yeah. I feel sufficiently kissed. Yes. <laughs> sufficiently. <one>. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be over sufficiently. Uh, well, no. Not at this point. It just we, feels we fake. We don't know each then. other that well. So, Tom, how's your week been? Um, long. But fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how you... Uh, want to phrase that this time it had nothing to do with work this was all on the personal side life has just found a way to intrude and just just rock this boat just unrelentlessly from the other side so um, i have no complaints on the other side though i did get it the question i knew was coming i had been waiting for it somebody to go do you think i might have the coronavirus Mm-mm. Ah, no. What was the over under on that? Um. <laughs> oh, I knew it was coming, <laughs> but it was successful in in telling them no. So there. No. Uh, otherwise, no. It it's been just a fine week professionally. It's it's been just fine. Uh, how's it going in your area of the world, Ben? Not horrible. We're starting to see an influx in flu cases again, both flu A and flu B, and we're even seeing some of those unfortunate folks who are positive for flu A a month ago, and now they're positive for flu B. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it sucks both times. But, I mean, it's not happened to me, but that's just my assumption. Did you get your flu shot? Did I? Yes. The horrible organization that I work for mandated that I receive the vaccine of influenza. And you didn't get the influenza. So, I mean, huh. And I would just like to point out that I was dripping with sarcasm in case anybody didn't. You know, I don't want to put anybody to pull that soundbite out of just that and go, oh, yeah, look what he said. Yeah, no. So anyway, Jeff, how's your week? Hectic. Had a small disaster yesterday, which I thought was fixed and is no longer fixed. So I get to redo my problem solving. Got to watch those chassis, you know. Yeah, the chassis fan. Yeah. 
if you had if you had a chassis fan on, I bet you that would have fixed all of it. So the kicker is, man, I worked on that thing for like six hours yesterday. <laughs> the guy could build well, a nuclear bomb using a pop bottle and a pack of gum, <laughs> but he can't he can't get a chassis fan on a computer to turn on. It's amazing. So uh, hashtag MacGyver. <laughs> if you really want the nitty gritty, I tried using I switched over from a external hub to the internal hub and the internal hub apparently doesn't work. Hmm. Okay. Good talk. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. Do the music. <laughs> exactly. Again? <Damn> it. <laughs> it's going to become the running joke on this show. Just it through. Yeah, I'm noticing a pattern. <laughs> As am I. Between the words being hard. Well, I, I, I will say in regards to last week's episode, I did throw some stuff up on my social media and got quite a few comments. And I was just going to kind of read through some of those uh, in regards to the ADN and BSNs and such. Just read the ones where they say Tom is right. That's the only ones that uh, matter. None of them said Tom was right. Well, then none of them matter. So <laughs> one person had said, com- combine the ADN and BSN into one thing, make it less papers and book work and more hands-on clinical work for BSN but yet improve ADN programs to include leadership and management techniques. Uh, so essentially you get the best of both worlds. One person said that they felt they learned more from their ADN than their BSN. More people saying things about skills, uh, getting extra skills more than just a handful of times before taking jobs, open use of skills labs, uh, reviewing how to spike a bag, program secondary tubing, compatibility of medications, IV pumps, things of that nature. There should be more hands-on learning available not just a few skill stations or labs. Stop having nursing students be extra CNAs on the floor. Well, that's kind of a given. It and unfortunately, be. I don't know where that doesn't happen. That's a, the instructor needs to be intervening in that case. And then one that I felt, just because mine was uh, care plans. <laughs> the person said, I never understood why we literally spend weeks on care plans and then get two hours on telemetry. The care plan obsession isn't real world. Telemetry is. So Agreed. Most agency the agencies though have to be able to document proficiency and training. So it's I mean you can give a little hey how you doing this is what telly looks like and this is what rhythms look like but the long and short of it is for accreditation they have to be able to show the education piece from each agency. What do you mean from each agency? So say you work for the best local memorial hospital they have to be able to show that you have gone through the best local memorial hospital telemetry course to certify you to do telemetry on their unit or prior documentation of proficiency. Gotcha. Okay. And I don't know about you, Tom, but that sounded like a shirt to me. Maybe something that we need to work on there that the best local memorial hospital. I kind of like that. <laughs> that should that should be your need to come up with a facility name for so that you can talk about how work was at Oh, yeah, I work at Best Local. Yeah. BLMH. Look at that. <laughs> Jeff CEO of Best Local Memorial. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, since I did talk about social media, unless you guys have something else you want to talk about, let's jump into that. What do you think? Uh, uh yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Has he muted this already? No, I'm not. Before I do the social media thing, Tom, did you notice the names that we have on our uh, our broadcasting tonight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure. 
For those who can't see it, like everybody who's listening to this currently (laughs) is being downloaded, it's listed as Dr. Ben, Dr. Jeff, and not Dr. Tommy. So (laughs) thank you. Just for you. All right. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web. We're at www.justsomepodcast.com. Email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Also, you can find us on Helium Radio or on Helium Radio After Dark, Channel 2, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Tom, yeah. before I tell you what else can they do, we also have a contact us on our webpage, and that's been getting some activity as well. So we appreciate that. Uh, we got a question back on that about one of the apps that we use, and so I responded back to her in regards to that, but she listens to us on her commutes to work. She's a new nurse practitioner outside of New Orleans, so shout out to Karen. Appreciate it. And that email should be back in your box before you hear this. Tom, what else what? can they do? Well, first of all, I guess they can go and give us some more ratings and reviews. They can tell us about how not Dr. Tommy is their favorite person on the show because <laughs> these two guys are just a bunch of ass gerbils. Then they can go to the Just Some Podcast <laughs> website. They can scroll down. God, I can't even talk now. They can scroll down to just about the bottom of the page. They can click on the Amazon link before they do any of their shopping. It will take them to the page and they can do all their shopping and it doesn't cost them anything and it helps out the show. We really appreciate it. And then they can come back and they can talk to all their friends about how Tom is way cool and the best guy on the show. And I would really appreciate that. Tom, I'd like you to take a second and, and Google if you can find Ash Dribbles on Amazon through our link. I'm just curious. I am 100% sure you can, but I, for <laughs> legal reasons, don't want that on my search history. So <laughs> there's... Am, yeah, cut on to what I was trying to get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of reasons I don't want Ash Dribbles, legal, <laughs> life. There's a bunch of reasons I don't want Ash Dribbles on search history. So I would think nobody would really want them anywhere. Yeah, well, exactly. Although we've said it on the show five times now. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, well, mostly it's me saying I don't want them and you guys just repeating it. So I don't really care how this goes down (laughs) at this point. So all the sound bites are just you guys saying ash gerbils and me saying no, no ash gerbils. So there you go. (laughs) Just remember, I know who edits this program. And I can comment or is it just a commentary? Uh, Yes. Either way, I'm saying no emphatically uh, again I, I know who edits this show and i think that i can make that person t- say in your voice i love ash gerbils so oh, wow but you literally just said that so there you go nobody heard anything <laughs> oh great well he who controls the mute button controls the world. <laughs> in this case, that is true. Wow, I'm fighting Pinky in the brain here tonight. God. That's right. So there you go. <laughs> so, Jeff, is there anything that you want to shout out? Hey, I'm still going to push local photographers. There you go, people. If you need something, get a hold of your local photographer. Like, you know, prom photos and uh, anything, maternity shots and all kinds of yeah, good shit. Yeah, right? careful before we go go on where anything goes but yeah whether it's portraiture or events or even landscape freelance type stuff heck just get out there with your own camera and start shooting away are you ready to get into stories you may have missed tom (sighs) yeah i guess so jeff are you ready what did i miss yeah exactly what did we miss ben this this story that i'm going to tell you about oh regale us with your tale sir 
story you may have missed. This came out yesterday. Uh, injecting tumors with the flu vaccine might help fight cancer. So there's a new study that shows that injecting tumors with a flu vaccine may switch the tumor from, quote, cold to, quote, hot. Once you transform the cold tumor into a hot tumor, it involves uh, introducing a foreign pathogen, such as a bacterial or virus, to the tumor site. The foreign pathogens can trigger a strong immune response that jumpstarts the immune system to recognize and fight the tumor. A scientist from Rush University Medical Center observed this phenomenon in medical administrative data, and they uh, observed that lung cancer patients who had been hospitalized for the flu experienced lower rates of cancer death, which prompted them to hypothesize that exposure to the influenza virus may bolster the immune response uh, against tumors. So they found that by injecting heat-inactivated influenza virus into a tumor uh, resulted in reduced tumor growth and also proved to be effective against metastatic tumors as well. Their quote says, our success with the flu vaccine that we created makes us wonder if seasonal flu vaccines that are already FDA approved could be repurposed as treatments for cancer. Uh, Based on these findings, the researchers proposed that injection of commercially available flu vaccines into accessible tumors would have the dual benefit of influenza protection and improved anti-cancer immune infiltration. You guys, your thoughts? Well, I was going to say, well, (laughs) edit that part out. Um, Actually, I was going to say, I don't know if either of you have, there's a news program called Vice. It's actually a website. It started as a website. It's now a news program. They do internet and they do a weekly and monthly episodes on HBO. And they did a cancer special where they discussed similar treatment options. Uh, I know Mayo and I know a children's hospital in Philadelphia were doing the same thing with HIV and measles. Interesting. Now, obviously I, I think there's some specifics that maybe they didn't get down into the full nitty gritty, but they had changed the RNA of the virus and made it so that it didn't replicate in a normal fashion before they injected it, but they then injected it directly into the virus and they were getting into the upper nineties and success rate in fighting cancers. Which I mean, to me makes sense. You know, if, if you think I, the way I look at it anyway, is we're kind of marking the, the cancer cells with like a big red X saying, Hey, you know, here's where you basically need to attack. So we're, that's the way that I kind of read the article anyway. Exactly. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention MD Anderson was also one of the hospitals that was involved with this. The way the oncologist on the special explained it was basically the way these tumors were getting away with it was specifically they basically went into stealth mode. And I am not an oncologist. So if somebody out there is yelling at their car stereo right now, I apologize. But basically, the the tumors found a way to get around. And by injecting these viruses, it did exactly what this research paper is suggesting. It lit it up to the point where the immune system figured out something was wrong and was then able to dismantle the tumor. So unfortunately, it almost always almost killed the patient as well. So they had to be on a pretty tight protocol in the ICU for this to go through. So Well, and hopefully with this study... Yeah, with this high of a success rate, though, and each patient that was interviewed said at that point, they were like, I was going to die anyway. So realistically, let's go. 
let, let's get this done. So I thought it was an amazing special and all of the researchers involved said the same thing. And I thought it was absolutely true is why don't more people know about this? You know, they have over a 90% success rate. Why doesn't everybody know about this? So I thought that was a pretty interesting aspect. Jeff, what are your thoughts on the article? Is it just for a specific type of tumor? So the, yes, so far the measles virus they were using, and I'm sure that they're trying to figure a way to branch out my, if I remember correctly, and it might be misquoting here, so forgive me, but I want to say they're using at the Mayo Clinic, they're using the measles virus on multiple myeloma. Uh And I don't remember the children's hospital in Philadelphia. They're using the HIV virus for ALL and they are trying to use one of the common cold viruses for a type of brain cancer. And I don't remember if it's glioblastoma or not, but that one they're having a lot less success rate on. And I don't remember, they tried talking about that. Um, The other ones, they literally just basically put in a pick line and injected it and it went to work and they're not having that same success rate. And so they're actually having to do brain surgeries and inject it directly into the tumor at MD Anderson. And of course this was that special and this was several years ago. So I haven't seen any updates, but they weren't having the same success rate. So hopefully somebody will send us in some kind of article with some updates on what's going on with that. Was that the vitamin C study? No, no, no. This was a specific like research done by these three. And then Vice went out and individually interviewed these three and then collected it and then did this new special on it. Gotcha. So it's it was more like a collaboration of these individual studies that Vice put together. And it's I think it's just called the cancer special by Vice. So if you look up Vice, V-I-C-E, and then put in cancer special, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. And it is absolutely fascinating and it is worth everyone's time to watch. Jeff, what are your thoughts on uh, the potential of injecting a flu vaccine into a cancer cell to uh, basically alert your immune system to it being there? If it was in the stealth mode, as Tom talked about. Well, at what point do we start having other people though? You know, we have enough resistance against using vaccines as vaccines. True. Now, if we're using vaccines as tumor markers, essentially, or tumor marking devices, I don't know what the right terminology is. Are we going to have the same pushback? I think to answer Tom's question about why do we not know about this, there's we're going to start hearing the big pharma conspiracy theories, how companies and yeah. healthcare makes more money off of cancer than treating cancer, which is really a horribly misguided argument. Anything that we can do that's going to help treat and market. I know that at one point, stem cell research was, and using stem cells for treatment was in vogue and in the news a lot, but I don't know that it ever truly got out of experimental or investigational so that it could go mainstream for most payers to uh, cover. I know in some cases it is, but I don't know how widespread it is. You, you think about how expensive the monoclonal antibodies are for any type of autoimmune disease. What is this therapy going to cost? And is it going to make uh, vaccines outrageously expensive across the board? Hmm. And they are, they're already pretty expensive if you're paying cash. I just, right. I'm just I'm just afraid of what it's going to do to the accessibility of some of these vaccines. 
Well, as far as the outcry in regards to the resistance we have to vaccines anyway, my suspicion would be it would be a relatively similar uh, subset of the population that would be against this vaccine for this use as well. Um, that's just my assumption. Does this strengthen a misguided argument that says, well, if the vaccines are interpreted as killing cancer, now all of a sudden are we giving somebody cancer via a vaccine? I can just hear some of the arguments in the in the patient rooms. Yeah, but that's a misinterpretation of the basic immune response of the body, which I know we're, we're not talking about highly logical thinking here. But. but I think I understand what Ben's saying, though, is that I think the same 2% of people that are saying that vaccines cause autism, even though no matter how much evidence you give them, are going to be the same 2%. So at this point, realistically, I don't think the 98% of us that understand common sense and have the ability to read should be punished because that 2% haven't been washed out of the gene pool yet. Uh, I love you, Tom. I it's only a matter of time. How you really feel about things, Tom. I well, you really are kind of subtle and holding back. Well, <laughs> it's been a long day. I'm kind of <laughs> feeling down, so I'm not as energetic as usual, but... I'm just saying they evolution will take care of them eventually. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's uh, jump into our main topic for the night. It's the episode that Tom, I think you and I have talked about this episode since the inception of the podcast, some 60 episodes ago, the education of nurse practitioners. I need like some cinematic music here, you know, but yeah, and it's something that we have touched on literally, I would say, every couple episodes in some way it's come up. So I'm really glad. And I have a feeling this isn't going to be the last time we have an episode like this. I think this is going to probably, be probably not. It's going to be an episode that we touch on again and again and again. And honestly, we should. This isn't going to be something something this important. And as nurse, as the education and culture of nurse practitioners changes, this, this episode needs to happen again. Fair enough. I think I would like to start off with just, and I've kind of went back and forth on this, and I guess if you don't like this, I'll cut it out. Um, <laughs> Negative. Leave it in. Leave it all in. I think we almost need to start with a disclaimer, because we're going to say some shit tonight that is probably going to piss off some people. <sighs> I, I know. <laughs> but... I don't want it to be seen as we are attacking the profession of, of being a nurse practitioner. I don't want it to see as then we're siding with groups on Facebook that are adamantly against nurse practitioners. It's not that we're siding with them. We're not siding, nothing like that. It's, I think as Tom kind of alluded to is the, you know, the evolution of an education and, and nursing and healthcare in general. I think if you, don't examine where you're at and what you need to do to get better or what you need to do to change things, then you're going to fall by the wayside. 30 years ago, they didn't wear gloves when they were starting IVs. And then we determined, hey, you know what? Uh, this is a bad thing. 200 years ago, they didn't wash their hands before they went to see the next patient. So, I mean, we have evolved over time to better our profession is is healthcare professionals in general. Um, and so I think that's 
that is where I think we're coming from on this episode. You're, what do you think? That's exactly how I would have put it, is that it's important for anybody that's listening that enjoys the show, and I would hope that they would understand that the three of us are giving our opinion from where we see things, that I would hope they would understand we are not attacking. I don't have an agenda. I'm not pushing anyone's point of view other than my own. And I'm trying to have a conversation that is going to try and push this forward. And Jeff is going to have a point of view that's different than mine. And Ben is going to have a point of view that's different than mine. And that's a good thing. We're going to agree on some things or we're going to disagree on some things. And those are all that that's all the point of this. That's all what we're trying to do. We're trying to get all the information out there and we're all trying to have a conversation and we're trying to get these conversations together so that some people get this information and maybe gets them thinking and maybe they have a conversation with some other NP down the road and maybe we can start to have these conversations and recognize what's going on as nurse practitioners because ultimately I honestly believe if we don't take the reins that who else is like you you can't sit back and say well we watched this go down the toilet well we're the ones responsible ultimately you know we can bitch about well this didn't happen or that didn't happen but ultimately we as a profession and those of us in the profession are the ones controlling it so I think it's I think it's time for us to have these conversations. Well, I will start with a statement that is my personal belief, and then I'll get your guys' take on it. And I don't mind elaborating if I need to. I almost feel like, and and Jeff, I do want to tell you that I have um, used your phrase "educated eyes" multiple times over the last week. I like that phrase, and I so I've used that pretty extensively. I want you to know that. Um, <laughs> I almost feel like. It is easier now to get into nurse practitioner school than it is to get into nursing school. When I applied to nursing school, it was, there may have been 200 applicants and 30 spots. And the first time I applied, I didn't get in. And I've, I've been very open and upfront with anybody that, um, I mean, I know a lot of people in healthcare that have went to or are going to or have graduated from nursing school. And so I'm, you know, I'm honest with it. You know what? I didn't get in my first time. I kind of screwed off my first semester of college, uh, my very first semester. General psych and developmental psych grades were not the greatest because you know it was more fun to screw off than go to class. Uh, so then I didn't get into nurse or didn't get into nursing school my first time that I applied. So I went back and took those classes over and elevated my GPA and was able to get in. But it almost feels like now you see this massive shift toward a large number of people who are going to nurse practitioner school. And it's almost like, Oh, well, you're a nurse. Well, here you go. You can get in. Congratulations. I just, I don't feel that same, this huge number of applicants and a small people who are accepted, I guess. Jeff, your thoughts. I think that the criteria for applications and acceptance have changed over time. I think part of that has been due to, the NIH report that came out 10, 15 years ago about the way nursing was changing and the role of nurses and nurse practitioners in the future of healthcare. It basically identified a need for 
nurse practitioners and that changed the way money was available for different programs. And once the money was available to provide the education, you had to have somebody to fill those seats. And so instead of having, say, a a work requirement, I think at one point people had to have X number of years floor experience or X number of years ER or ICU experience or some experience outside of moving straight from an undergraduate program into a graduate program. Whereas now there's a lot of credit given for people's ability to learn the nursing side of it while they are being educated in a master's or a doctoral level program. And I think that's where we see some of the animosity that is out there towards what we do. I would agree. And I personally am fundamentally against a lack of any type of experience prior to getting into school. And that's my personal viewpoint on it. It just, it it frustrates me when you are able to go on Facebook and you can see ads from colleges and I'm, I'm not talking online versus brick and mortar or anything like that. I'm not discuss you know one better than the other anything like that it's nothing like that it's you get out of the education what you put into it just like clinical experience if you get into clinicals and you actually want to learn and and do things you're going to get a much better experience out of it but it pisses me off whenever you go on facebook and you can see ads from colleges saying oh get your nurse practitioner in 18 months i think it lessens the profession as a whole to see advertisements like that I think more specifically, not just get your FNP or something like that in 18 months. I think it's when it's like, go from RN to MSN with no experience in 18 months. I think the very fact nurse practitioner was built as advanced practice registered nurse. And we have a bunch of people that have never been a registered nurse. And one of the fundamental building blocks is supposed to be using our nurse experience to propel us forwards and we are sending people out and expecting them to learn and use that base building block and then build upon it. And they have no base building block. In our episode last week, when we talked about how, you know, the ivory tower general hospital is how you go through nursing school, as far as everything is going to work exactly like it says in the book and they're teaching you to pass boards. And then when you get out into the world and then you learn everything is not like it is at Ivory Tower General Hospital. You have this subset of students who are getting into FNP programs straight out of an RN program without having learned that. So then it's like they're continuing to build upon this Ivory Tower of of, of how everything is going to be perfect, and the world is far, far from perfect. Yes, and they have never actually worked. They've never been in the world and assessed patients and worked with patients outside of a protected clinical setting with a preceptor. And we're expecting them to use a skill set that they don't have and then build upon it. And I I think we're failing them and we're failing their future patients. And I think in in the clinical realm, then that's when you start seeing that is when they start doing clinicals and they just, you can tell they're very green. And so then when you start pushing them to look at differential diagnosis, which is something that's very hard to do. And, and like I explained to students that I precept, you know, that's something that you're going to get better at over time. 
But when you start pushing for that, then there's just not that, uh, well, I mean, to put it like Jeff kind of ordered it last week, you're not getting that critical thinking of, okay, well, I know the blood pressure is 160 over 100, but what does that actually mean? And and how does that work? You're not getting that critical thinking of being able to take that concrete information and use it to a higher level. Well, and there's something to be said for experience. There's something to be said for 5,000 hours of taking care of people and seeing it and having that information in your head. Like, I've seen this before. And then... Now we're teaching them, okay, now that you've seen this, now that you understand what's going on with this, here's the advanced pathophysiology. Here's the advanced pharmacology. Here's those those tools for diagnosis and treatment of what's going on. We're pushing people forwards, and it seems like for the sake of being able to push people forwards. Yeah, I agree. We're doing it. I applied long enough ago, and I was happy that the university I went to did have a requirement. I had to prove that I had had so many hours of experience before I could apply to my program. And now they've waived that requirement. And I know a lot of other alumni were not happy at all with that waiving. It's like looking at a house and knowing it's two-dimensional is what I feel like we're doing. We're, it looks great from one side, but when you look at it from the other side, you, you could tell that this house is looks like it's going to fall. That's what I feel like we're doing as a profession to ourselves. I think what happens, what has changed is how we're perceived by other professionals because the programs have become so accessible. And when we graduate providers that are less experienced and less confident and require a lot of, for lack of a better term, handholding when they first come out, it really hurts those of us who have been doing this for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and the skills that we have developed and the training that we had and can apply. So I think part of it ends up developing some resentments with some other professional organization and other healthcare professionals. I would agree with you wholeheartedly because one of the things that you hear is, well, you know, nurse practitioners are blank, 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 blank. And then when you're there, they're like, oh, but not you. Like you're different because you know what you're doing. But then, so it is, it's that general generalization of nurse practitioners are this, this, and this, but then, oh, they're still the good ones. And that's not to say that they're, that they're bad nurse practitioners, and I, I guess that's not the way that I should have ordered it. But I, I, I just don't think that requiring experience is going to drop that NIH report any further. I mean, as far as, you know, we're not, you know, we're not building cars on, like, the, the assembly line at Ford. We're not trying to crank out as many as we can. And, you know, people talk about getting the money out of politics. Maybe, you know, you need to get the money out of education, which I know you can't do, but you can't get the money out of politics either. But there, it's a paycheck and it generates revenue. And so we will crank them out as long as we can. We being academia. I think one of the things that's interesting in just watching well, in listening to the three of us interact on this, 
we are all three guarding every word that we speak because of the vicious backlash that we risk by voicing an opinion. And I think that that the fact that there is that backlash is fairly telling. We should be able to critically look at ourselves and where we came from and where we're going and be able to have intelligent discourse and disagreements in opinions and not have it turn into personal battles. But you see these things devolve all the time. To use your Facebook example, there are various groups on online, and I don't think it's limited to Facebook. I think if you just look in general at online groups where you have a subset of a population, in this case, we'll, we'll talk about uh, nurse practitioners with lesser experience and not recognizing the risks associated with being completely open and candid with questions and concerns online. It's one thing to use resources. It's a whole other thing to try and crowdsource responses. And I think that's one of the things that has hurt us as a whole is some of us grew up without the internet and we grew up with a different expectation of privacy and definition of what privacy meant. We have a lot of folks now who grew up living their lives in front of a cell phone camera or a Mm -hmm. webcam and creating selfies and putting everything about themselves out for everybody to see. And so that sense of privacy of what is an appropriate forum for certain statements and certain questions those lines have been blurred. And so when when those of us who recognize what it means to show some dis- discretion, and I'm not accusing people of not having that ability, I submit that we've got people who don't recognize the impact of what they say and where they say it. And to bring this back full Sounds circle, reasonable. the three of us, being very careful with how we phrase things so as, again, not to arouse the rage of the masses is a perfect example where we should be able to disagree with this. Last week, Tom and I disagreed with each other and it didn't devolve into name calling or being accused of being a bully. It's intelligent discourse that you hear what the other side is, you give your side and you have a discussion doesn't mean for me to be right, Tom doesn't have to be wrong. And I think I have lost that somewhere along the way that if somebody's right, somebody else must be wrong. Two people can't be right. And I think until we figure out how to get along with each other, we're going to have a lot of trouble having other groups get along with us. But to me, that's even society as a whole. Oh, I Not just... Oh my God, if you, you know, we don't talk politics on the show for a particular reason, but if you are very conservative in your views, then every person who is liberal in their views is the enemy and you're behind your keyboard and you're going to, it's a different type of warfare to an extent that you have to, in order for me to be right, then you must be wrong uh, as you so eloquently stated, but, but yeah, I mean, it just that seems to me, like I said, more society as a whole that you're not allowed to 
disagree. And if I, if we do disagree, then by God, you're a no good, worthless, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, as opposed to, Hey, you know what? You have your opinion. I have my opinion. I'm not going to convert you. You're not going to convert me. And, and it is what it is. And we can have an intelligent conversation about it and move on. Well, ultimately with all these people that run their mouth like that, it comes down to exactly what you two just said. Keyboard warriors. They are real tough when they're behind a computer screen. They don't seem to be that tough actually having a conversation. But that's that's not limited to just this, as, as we said a bunch of times. But bringing it back to what we were talking about earlier, I think it really comes down to, for me, the first three things I really think about. First of all is what Jeff said, stature is some schmuck in Florida messes up because he has piss poor training and education. And I'm just saying Florida. I don't care what state. It could be anywhere. Okay. I just threw that state out. Okay. X Mississippi. Okay. Mississippi. Okay. Mississippi. Right. <laughs> definitely Mississippi. I know a guy in Mississippi that would definitely screw everything up. You know what? Edit out Florida. Make it all Mississippi. Cause I know that guy's yeah, that guy. But the point is, just like in other professions, we're going to pay that burden when that guy messes up or girl messes up. Nobody's going to say person H messed up and they're at fault. They're going to say a nurse practitioner messed up. They're not going to say a poor education or a failing of training hurt a patient. They're going to say a nurse practitioner hurt a patient. And now we're going to pay that price. But- what you stated there is the reason that that will happen. If I work for a fast food restaurant and you screw up a hamburger, okay, you screw up a hamburger. This isn't fast food. So yeah, you're going to hear, you know, uh, this particular establishment, fast food restaurant, whatever, you know, their employee was doing whatever, but it's not like because that employee screwed something up in Mississippi, um, <laughs> then Every fast food establishment that shares that name obviously has that same. But but uh, no, actually, actually, that is that is how it goes, because what happens when someone says, oh, they must have a poor education. Get ready. They're going to work at fast food like it's the same thing, like it's become ubiquitous. Now, the same thing is going to translate out to us eventually if we allow these poor standards to continue to permeate out throughout. Eventually, it's going to become, well, every nurse practitioner must be like that. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I guess I misunderstood what you said. My my bad. I I I don't want to name a a specific restaurant, but let's say if fast food establishment A in Mississippi never puts pickles on my hamburger, I don't automatically assume that nationwide at fast food establishment A, I'm never going to get pickles on my hamburger. But because we're in healthcare and because lives matter and because it does become sensational media. I mean, hell, look at the Dr. Death podcast that reached gazillion type numbers. Then you have that here to where, okay, if this nurse practitioner in Mississippi screwed up, then every nurse practitioner must be that same way. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and like I said, and I know you use this example. I'm sure some people are sick of hearing it, but I felt the same way. In law enforcement, when a police officer was involved in a shooting, good or bad, it didn't matter. You don't see the headline that says this specific officer did this. No, it just says police officer shot somebody like that's all. That's all it says. So 
my fear is that eventually it's not going to say person so-and-so because of, you know, negligence. It's just going to say nurse practitioner. And I don't want it to us to devolve into that position. The second thing that comes to my mind due to this over massive influx in our educational system is saturation. And I don't think sometimes the people within the system are recognizing the flood or honestly it's beyond flood at this point. I think tsunami that's coming in some States where there are more people in school than there are people currently practicing or positions open. What do they expect to happen as these people are coming out? And then the third thing is how wait, are wait, we wait, supposed wait. to adequately. What? what? Nope. Stop. Oh, go on. You say, what do they expect to happen? What they expect to happen is what is being yeah. sold to them yes. through okay. Facebook ads and everything else is, oh, well, there's going to be nurse practitioners that become the new physicians. Yeah. And that is not. Let's not say that. No, I'm not saying that. No, we're okay. not saying that. But that's this impression that they are being sold and they are buying. And I don't know why. And we are not physicians in any way, shape, or form. I did not go to medical school. I went to nurse practitioner school. It's two entirely different schools of thought. We well, reach... Go ahead. That's a good segue right there. One of the things we see is discussions that devolve into a physician has had 20,000 hours of training and we've had anywhere from 750 to 2,000 hours of clinical experience and the physician 20,000 hours of training does not equal our 2,000 hours or our 2,000 hours doesn't equal their 20,000 hours. And really at this point, I really think we need to be getting away from this us and them. We have two different roles in the healthcare system. I agree. What I see happen time after time after time is there is a news article or a discussion post and somebody voices something not necessarily extremely positive about nurse practitioners and their role and, and what they did. And suddenly there is a flood of NP responses that are indignant and angry and fail to fail to actually engage in a conversation and are immediately defensive. And I don't think it helps our cause any. I think being able to understand and appreciate that we are different. And yes, I don't have the same knowledge as a physician. I never will. And I will, I will say the same thing. But people who, who get offended by somebody pointing out that we don't have that education and then trying to defend an indefensible point hurts in the long run. Now, that doesn't mean that our education is inadequate. Our education is different. One of the complaints that I do hear a lot is that NPs tend to overorder. We order too many tests. Well, the problem with that is, and I, and I honestly, I don't view it as a problem, but I, for lack of a better word, we are trained to follow certain guidelines. Our training says, do this, X, Y, Z. If this happens, do this, X, Y, Z. And a lot of us, until we have more experience, need that roadmap. So when we're out gaining experience as providers, we are behind the curve and saying, 
hey, we could probably let this piece go and make a clinical decision or a clinical diagnosis and not necessarily have to order XYZ tests to be able to continue to manage this patient. And it's a difference in our training. And accepting that difference on both sides is what's going to have to happen before we are able to regain some of the footing that we've lost. And when I said earlier that they're being sold, this nurse practitioners are, be, are becoming the new physicians, I was more meaning because you hear so much about, oh, well, physicians aren't going into family practice, they're going into specialties. And so quote unquote mid-levels will be the ones that do family practice. That is the, the pipe dream, I will say, that's being sold to them. And I agree with that. To to school. I think that that's what is being advertised. When we try to correct that perception among people in our profession, we need to be able to do it in a different way. A lot of times when we say it and when we, when we have the disagreement, whether we intend it to be so or sound so or not, it oftentimes will come across as an attack saying where people feel like they're being told that they are inadequate or not enough. And this comes back to the same thing that we said about kind of a culture problem with being able to disagree with each other. But in nursing, it seems like that has really exploded. And I'm not really sure why. I personally think some of it is that you have two sides. And one is if you say something saying, you know what, hey, this is probably not the best forum for this, for example, perhaps you shouldn't post this on social media. Perhaps you shouldn't crowdsource this diagnosis. Then you have this second subset of people who are going to vehemently attack you for being a bully, which to me is kind of funny because then they're literally engaging in the activity they were accusing you of. And that seems to be a nursing thing for whatever reason. You have this, even if it doesn't come across as you say being a bully, yeah, you can see comments on there that people are kind of smart assy about stuff. And that's just humor. Ha ha, chuckle, chuckle. But people get their feelings so easily hurt. And then, but, but then it's not necessarily the person who originally posted it. It's everybody else who is, their feelings are hurt on behalf of the original person. And it just seems to be worse in nursing. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to uh, stop our conversation this week with Jeff as we went really long in our conversation and we anticipated that we would because we are all three uh, highly educated individuals with opinions and (laughs) sometimes those are right and sometimes they're they're not right that's what we learned was sometimes they're right and sometimes there's and sometimes they're bends damn it yes yes We'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, the first part of this episode. So reach out to us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. Our website, www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email is admin at justsomepodcast.com. With that being said, Tom, Jeff, it's getting late, and we're going to wrap this up, and then we'll uh, look forward to letting everybody hear the second part of this where maybe, just maybe, Jeff causes me to have an epiphany of sorts. I don't know. Does it happen? Maybe we enlighten Tom. I mean, who? I say I would say who knows, but we all know. But the listeners won't until next week. I'm guessing no on Tom. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs>
Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if they've heard the show before, they already knew it was going to be no on Tom. So, well, anyway, all right, Jeff, man, I uh, can't thank you enough for being on the show and, and being on the show uh, next week too. <laughs> Always appreciate it, Jeff. Well, it's, it really is a pleasure. I enjoy coming. I enjoy listening to you guys. And I think that your show is one that is needed and getting a different voice every now and then and different opinions every now and then. I think you guys have truly embraced what the value of that can be. And anytime. Awesome. We have a standing invite. Anytime that you, uh, you know, have something you want to come and educate us about, you know, please reach out to us and we can get you back on the show. I'm working on a piece for later on down the road. Uh Oh, that's scary. Yep. Yep. <laughs> May even come with handouts. Oh, <laughs> we make sure there are pictures and very few words so that Tom can get <laughs> I want it laminated. So. <laughs> it's going to be on your computer screen, Tom. How the hell is he going to laminate it? Hey, I want it laminated like a Shoney's freaking menu. Okay. I want it in my hands. So, jeez. Oh, All right. Hey, on that note, uh, Next week, we're going to wrap this episode up with uh, the rest of our conversation about uh, nurse practitioner education. I believe we also get into some of the business of being a nurse practitioner, and then we uh, talk more about the DNP program. So tune in next week as well. So on that note, hey, I hope everybody has a great week. Hey, everybody. Stay safe out there. Practice swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. Some road bridge and I thought of you And all the many times you say I should have known Took a press so I could find my cheek Found mediocrities the best that I could do Let's a shower Same with that.